Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1072. This week on Cars Yeah, we're promoting the 46th annual Forest Grove Concours that takes place Sunday, July 15th on the historic campus of Pacific University in Oregon. Learn more at forestgroveconcours.org. There is no godly wisdom that will transform you into Superman. Just enjoy life. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Steve Lang. Hey, Steve, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am ready to enable. Let's make it so. All right. Steve Lang is the co-developer of the Long-Term Quality Index. It's a study covering over 1.8 million used vehicles that have been professionally inspected by ASE certified mechanics. His vast experience with the used car market and having liquidated over 10,000 used vehicles for an automotive finance company has given Steve an insider's view of the reality of the used car market. In January 2013, he and his buddy Nick Larivere developed the Long-Term Quality Index to create the real story about used vehicles. Steve is also a longtime automotive auctioneer, a car dealer, and featured writer who has been fortunate enough to share his unique world of auctioning and purchasing experiences with millions and millions of readers. So Steve, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your business and your passion for automobiles? Absolutely. I grew up in a unique world. I grew up in the food import business. I had traveled all over the world with my family, learning how how to value things, how to value everything from a can of sardines to olive oil. When it came time for me to graduate from college, I did what a lot of people do. I went to corporate America and found that I was a horrifically bad match for it. I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, and it came to be that I met a guy named Henry Winkler. Uh, otherwise known as the Fonz. The Fonz. Oh, yes. And he did do that. He actually did do that. But he did it in front of a thousand people. He he was adored by a massive audience. And I had my one or two friends with me. He said some words that really sparked a paradigm shift in my life. And those words were, if you will it, it is not a dream. Mm. And that means the moment you pursue what you want to do with your life, even the struggle itself, even the failure itself, which will encompass probably pretty much the beginning and middle of your pursuit. That's part of the dream. (laughs) And what I did the next day was I called an auto auction saying, can you use me for anything? (laughs) And (laughs) long long story short, uh, they made me a driver, and then they found out that I could speak Spanish, and so I was used as a ringman. And then they said, well, why don't you go to auctioneering school? So I did that. And I got very lucky. It was the late 90s. It was a boom time in the economy. And I ended up becoming an auto auctioneer here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I would say I did that for about five, six years. I got I was very, very fortunate. I finished in the top 10 in the World Auctioneer Championship. Wow. And then I became a dealer. I was making more money on the side buying and selling vehicles than I did as an auctioneer. This creation that me and Nick have co-developed, it took us a little bit over six months to make it into a reality. We did it in a unique way. We did it so that there wouldn't be any sort of favoritism uh, towards a particular brand 
or even a particular type of consumer. Our vehicles come from independent auto dealerships. They're all trade-ins, and there's no one new car dealer that can sway the numbers any which way. So wow. we're very proud of it, and it's been featured in Car and Driver and Yahoo and in a lot of different places, and we have maintained the information. It's going to be available for free forever. Ah, oh, very cool. Awesome. Oh, amazing story. Very, very cool. Funny that you uh, would run into somebody like uh, Henry Winkler, the Fonz, of course, from the Happy Days TV show back in the day. But uh, very, very cool. Nice that he shared that with you. And maybe that'll tie into this next question I have for you. And that is a mantra or some kind of a slogan or saying or success quote that's really has meaning for you. You may have already given up the answer to this, but it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Steve, take the wheel. Well, one of the quotes that I like to remind myself of in my daily work, which actually is, is not high in the sky, dancing on clouds, wonderful. It is, we who cut mere stones must always be envisioning cathedrals. And that was a worker's creed uh, back in medieval times uh, for the quarries that actually cut, build the huge stones that would literally create the cathedrals. And the idea behind it is complicated because it's not just trying to build the better mousetrap. It's more about trying to change your philosophy about life and trying to learn from others who know more about a given topic than you ever will. And so whenever I'm with somebody who is an expert, I always try to remind myself that I don't know the beauty that they have experienced in their own lives. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty much my favorite quote. It's a wonderful quote. First time I've heard that quote, too, which is pretty uh, inspiring and pretty incredible considering the number of people I've had on the show here, 1,072 now. But uh, I love that. I love that. It's really, really cool, and especially from the perspective that it came from. Well, this next question is very interesting to me and has to do with a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Being a guy who's sold a lot of used cars and seen a lot of cars pass through his hands. And we'll get to that seller's remorse question next, but is there a pivotal moment in your life that you knew you were a car guy? I would say that was not really a pivotal moment. It was when I was trying to get a driver's license, and I had a lot of excess energy and grief in my life. I had a brother who passed away, Mm. and I had to throw the energy somewhere. Yeah. What I ended up doing is I would go to the magazine store uh, in Englewood, New Jersey, and I would pick up a car magazine, usually first with Car and Driver. Uh, but back then it was uh, read Car and Driver, Motor Trend, Automobile, and Running Track. And, and I would literally, every, it was either the fifth or the sixth, it was one of those days, they would have all four of those publications at the place. Mm-hmm. And I would just stand up and read the whole time for seven hours. And I would eventually <laughs> get one of the magazines, but the guy knew that I was a working class kid. You know, yeah. it wasn't. It was part of the scenery back then. So once I started inhaling the words, I guess that was the uh, time I knew I was a car guy. Yeah, a little bit. I heard that story from a lot of my guests who, as kids, went into the grocery store, the convenience store, the drugstore, and read the magazine. So, uh, yeah, at least you were out causing trouble. So that was a good place for you to be. <laughs> I grew up in Jersey. So, yeah, that, it was uh, it was fortunate that Asphalt's our second uh, most prosperous uh, profession over there. Yeah. Um, the first, of course, is uh, other stuff. Yeah, other I won't stuff. Get into because <laughs> other. I haven't been caught yet. 
There you go. There you go. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. Talk about a big challenge or a big failure you faced along the way and what that situation taught you. So kind of walk us down that road, if you would. Sure. Uh, the only time I was ever fired from an auction was when I ended up inadvertently getting into a debate with the largest seller of vehicles at that sale. And oh. it wasn't intended to actually be a debate. What happened was, this was a time when the Georgia flag, which had a Confederate symbol at the time, was a big issue. Yeah. And there was a fellow there who was a tow truck driver, and you know he was you know saying his usual uh, colorful metaphors and racial expletives and, and so forth. And one of my friends said, you know what, if I was... Uh, if I was black, I'd be pretty offended about that particular flag. And I said, you know what? You're 100% right. And it went on and on and on. And eventually, I had an audience. And eventually, that audience involved the largest seller at the auction. Mm. He was one of those types that wore the flag like it was his own coat, like it, like it was more important than the American flag. Yeah. So we ended up going 15 rounds and change. Mm. And I ended up getting uh, voluntarily reassigned for an eternal period of time. An eternal period. <laughs> now, that is the most creative way of saying I was fired I've ever heard. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a challenging position for a, a boss and a business owner to be in when you have a client like that that's important financially, but maybe is uh, not as important as a person, a human being, and the way that they're treating others or think of others. So, uh, wow. Well, what's, what's your takeaway lesson from this if there is a lesson to learn here, other than keep your mouth shut, which in some cases isn't the right thing to do. No, actually, there, there's a deeper lesson. Sometimes you can say the right thing for the right reason and still do it the wrong way. Ah, yeah. I think what happened there for me was that this was not the audience that I needed to get on the proverbial podium and lecture other people. That to me was. In our business, when you're an auctioneer, if you exceed the bid nine times out of ten, but then you go off the money on the tenth time, in other words, you had somebody who was going to buy the vehicle, but you try to run them up, yeah. you end up getting fired. The truth is, there are times and places where you should be the hero. And learning when those times are and what to do, not at those particular times, but when it's not that time. Yeah. That was the biggest lesson I learned. And I was in my late 20s then. So sure. it was a good time to learn that lesson. Absolutely. Well, nice way to put that. And thanks for sharing that uh, difficult, challenging time in your life. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum and talk about a career aha moment. I like to say it's a time when the headlights come on and kind of steer you down a new direction. I know you've had a few of those in your, the day. So uh, tell us about one of yours. I think the biggest aha moment for me was selling my first car. I had a 1986 Honda Civic four-speed vinyl interior, air conditioning, powered nothing, that I bought for $525 oh, wow. uh, from the same auction where I was a ring man at. And it was really my first big purchase. At the time, I was pursuing a graduate degree for education at a scholarship. And I wanted to work for two years, teach for two years, and see which one I liked more. Well, it didn't take long to figure out once I got into the auction business that that's what I really wanted to do. However, it took about a year for me to have the courage to buy my own vehicle. So I got it. I put it on, um, goodness, it was AJC. It was a local Atlanta Drone Constitution 
I got three whole lines with, you know, with every same power window that said PW, you know, power string was PS, trying to fill in all these little acronyms within a, within three lines. And I ended up selling that vehicle to a Polish PhD student from Emory University uh, for 1576. But that wasn't the punchline. I took that money and got a 1988 Tudor Ultra for the same exact amount of money as an 86 on a Civic. Much, much better vehicle, about five times more expensive. I had the aha moment there because I had a choice. Either I could drive it and enjoy it, it only had 100,000 miles. Or I could fix it, you know, just need a couple of minor things and sell it. Yep. And I ended up selling it for $3,900. And from that moment on, I learned really what I think was my biggest aha moment. Love cars, but never fall in love. That was my <laughs> aha moment. There you go. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Hard to do sometimes. That's for sure. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car, first car that you bought that had great meaning for you and maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. I'll keep the PG-rated car with you guys. Um, okay. <laughs> it was the, um, the first car, the only new car I ever bought was a 1994 Toyota Camry Coupe, a red Camry Coupe that I named Scarlet. Uh, because, of course, you know, I'm here in Atlanta and, and Gone with the Wind is an institution down here. Sure. But I worship, love keeping that car up. I do the oil every 3,000. I do the air filter every 15, do the fuel filter every 30, change out the transmission fluid every 30. I would say that's my first really special car because if I hadn't gotten into this business, it is quite possible that I may still be driving it. Wow. My idea back then was to have one Camry and one Miata, and then I'd be happy. Then that would be it, you know. But life had other plans. And now, 24 years later, that vehicle is still on the road, not only with over 350,000 miles, but apparently a couple owners after I sold it, there was one guy that I found from the Carfax history. He had rolled back the odometer by 200,000 miles. Whoa. So to me, that is personally the biggest show of flattery that you could ever have as a car owner that somebody thought your car was in such great shape that they rolled back the odometer that much. Wow. <laughs> my gosh what a story well how about seller's remorse i know you've sold lots and lots of cars but is there one in particular you wish you had back no no <laughs> <laughs> no no <laughs> the, the truth is this you know i'm not in the car business i'm in the money business and i love cars but my job is not to be the one who ends up making that car drive whatever after. My job is to take that car, do whatever improvements need to be made so that it lasts for the long haul, and then find the right owner who is going to hopefully make that vehicle last as long as it possibly can. All right. Well, good way to put it. Well, let's talk about this long-term quality index. I'd like for you to explain a little bit more to the listeners what this is all about, what prompted you to get this thing going, and what's so important about it? Why is it something that people need to be concerned about? When you're an auctioneer, you see typically around anywhere from 200 to 400 vehicles go through the lane on a given day. And then you get asked by people who want to get a car for themselves, what's good out there? What should they get? What's worth getting? And I always had my personal biases. I had a great Toyota, so I was biased against Toyota. I had a great Mazda, so I was biased on Mazdas. 
but I would see some cars that, you know, three, four, five, six years later after they were sold new, that were a bucket of bolts. They were worth more dead than alive. And I wanted to figure out a way that common folks who don't deal with my world and don't have a time or even the information, how could they go through what really is in many cases an advertising morass? Everyone says they're the best. Everyone professes that their brand is number one. More oftentimes than not, they do it and say, oh, we're number one quality or number one in some study that really doesn't focus on anything about the vehicle except for the first 90 days or the first year or two. Right. The real tale of a vehicle is, is not the first two years. It's the 10, 12, 15, 18-year entire cycle of it. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we had to work backwards. We had to first figure out what was important for the customers who actually had the data. And for them, it was avoiding certain vehicles that were going to be money losers for them, either because they would have a transmission issue or an engine issue within a given range of miles, or they were vehicles that were so frequently traded in because of substandard quality and reliability that the customers who would go in the door wouldn't want them. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we worked with nine different dealer networks in the beginning, and we created a very simple way for mechanics to outline information that's going to be useful for the public, but also for the dealerships. And that's really how the long-term quality index came to be. Wow, cool. Now, of course, everyone's going to ask, so what's the best used car to buy or new car to buy? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, two things. You're looking at two key ingredients in the recipe. The first, of course, is the quality of the vehicle itself. If you go to our site, Dashboard Light, or if you Google long-term quality or long-term reliability, we're number one currently on Google. We're higher ranked than Consumer Reports or J.D. Power. Wow. And we have a ranking of you know the top 10, top 20, top 30. but Really, most folks should not pay exclusive attention towards the ranking because the other big side of the equation, the other Y to the X, is the owner. Of course. How do they maintain it? What yeah. is the condition of the vehicle? Are you, as a buyer, regardless if it's a $3,000 vehicle or a $30,000 vehicle, are you going to have it inspected by a professional who does this for a living? Mm-hmm. That is the bigger issue. So you can have a 1927 Yankees on your side. You can have NATO on your side. But if your pitcher is terrible or if your target is off because you didn't do your homework, then it won't matter. The most important ingredient in that recipe is a prior owner. You know, it's it's so true. And I've sold plenty of used cars and I'm a pretty meticulous person, and I tell you, that when you pull out, here's my file for every year. Here's everything I've done to the car. They open the engine. They see the inside of the engine lid is waxed, just like the hood is waxed. And they go, <laughs> okay, this guy's a nutcase, but he loves his cars, and he takes care of them. And then you see other cars that are just trashed, and you just go, how can he trash such a nice vehicle? I mean, or people that never change the oil. They just don't do it. You know, they, ah, it's fine. In our business, we see so many hur- human hurricanes. It's beyond belief. So human many hurricanes. People, <laughs> they, they, well, really, I, I used to call them um, 
Kevorkians. Okay. Because they would put any quality vehicle on life support just by them owning it. Yeah. And <laughs> I have seen things that would, some people putting the coolant where the oil is supposed to go. People trying to use wire hangers in the most amusing of ways. And not with a $500 car. I mean, we're talking about eighteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 cars. Yeah, an exhaust mount breaks, and you use duct tape to duct to tape it back up to the underside of the yes, car. Yes, yes, uh, some <laughs> packs, duct tape, staple guns, uh, bubble gum, uh. and uh, duct tape is flammable if you do that. And I know that because I had a guest on my show that when he was a kid did that and drove into a high school parking lot with his car on fire because he had duct taped the exhaust system. I love that you said this because um, it is so much a factor of how people take care of their vehicles. And uh, I actually have a topper for you. Uh, There was a vehicle that was in my lineup uh, about eight years ago at a uh, repo auction. The prior owner had the driver's seat for a Buick Riviera. The driver's seat, somehow, some brilliant way, he held that seat up with a wooden spoon. I kid you (laughs) not. The wooden spoon was wedged in between the metal. And somehow it, it would enable itself to be supported at just the right angle. For that to actually be used, <laughs> so long, as long as you were a certain weight, and I unfortunately was not that weight when I sat in it. So <laughs> yeah, well, you had me at repo. There's the sign right there. So uh, I think that might have been a telling tale. Well, we're very, very interesting. We'll make sure that we put links to your website uh, on your show notes page so people can learn more about this and read about it. And, and why don't you tell me those websites right now? Uh, there's dashboardlight.com and dashboardlight. There's a little hyphen between, so it's dashboard-light.com. And also, of course, if you Google long-term quality or long-term reliability, you'll find the same study. And if you're just really bored and have a few hours or lifetimes to kill, you can just Google my name, Stephen Lang. Stephen is with a V, last name L-A-N-G, and cars. And I have written about my life uh, since 2006. So it's been 12 long years of used cars. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. A lot of information there. Well, I'll make sure we put links to those on Steve's show notes page so that you can check this out. Very, very interesting uh, information for you. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Steve. If you were a car, what would you be and why? Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's the telling tale. This is the telling tale right here. This actually was a car that I bought. And it's not so much as a car as it was a limo. It was a 28-foot stretched limo that was owned by a strip club in Miami. It was a 1993 Cadillac. And the reason why I would be that car is because I don't want any man to ever be inside of me. And I, there would be rules involved here. What all I would do is I would take the strippers from their homes to the strip club and then back. And then that's it. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing. Okay. A little rated G here. Just give them a ride to the job. So, oh my goodness. Well, that is the most unique answer I've heard to that question. Well, Steve up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 
1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hey, this is Mark Green. Are you interested in selling online and building a sustainable business? Bonanza is a marketplace platform that empowers you to create your dream business. Getting started at Bonanza is easy. You can start fresh or import your items from other marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or Shopify. Auto parts and accessories are a high-performance category at Bonanza, and there's no risk involved in signing up. There are no listing fees or monthly fees. You pay only when you make the sale. Bonanza listens to seller feedback and uses it to improve tools and build new features, so there are tons of customization options for sellers no matter what the size of your business. Be sure to sign up using the link bonanza.com slash cars yeah and you'll receive a free consultation with Bonanza experts who make sure that you are on your way to generating sales. That's bonanza.com slash cars yeah. All right, Steve, we are back and we're entering the last lap. This is where I fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Keep it forever, however you can. Yeah, just take care of it, for goodness sake. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Obsessive compulsive disorder. (laughs) I suffer from a little of that myself, so not so bad, not so bad. As long as you handle it right. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Other than yours, of course, which is a fantastic resource. I would say that the second resource that is a good pairing of what I offer is carsurvey.org. That has over 100,000 reviews of cars from actual owners from all over the world. Wow. Carsurvey.org. We'll make sure we put that on the show notes page. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? I would say it would be William Deming. William Deming. Okay. What's the reason for him? I think William Deming is more responsible for the evolution of the automobile than any other individual living or dead. Wow, that's quite a statement. And why is that? Because he made quality a standard bearer of what every automaker should pursue when they mass market cars. Ah, nicely said. First time I believe anyone's mentioned him, which I'm kind of surprised, but uh, very nicely put. Now, is there a book that you think our listeners would enjoy reading that you've enjoyed? Rivethead. Have you heard of Rivethead? No, I haven't. Never mentioned before on the show. Wow. Well, that is a classic because that was actually written by an assembly line worker named Ben Hamper. And it more or less tells the life that he led, not in terms of a tragedy or any sort of cliche. It is the most hilarious book I've ever read. 
about oh. the not just the industry, about just working in America. It's a fantastic book. Oh, awesome. Well, I love it when new books are recommended here. I'll remind our listeners you can find a link to that book on Steve's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to CarsYow.com, type in Steve Lang, L-A-N-G, and that page will pop up. There's another great place on the site called Guest Recommended Books where this book and all the past 1,072 guests have listed books there. I've made it really easy for you to click and buy. It's a great resource. Just go up to the Cars yeah website, click on the Resources tab, and you'll see it right there. All right, Steve, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world, but there's a couple rules to this game. Don't worry about the price, though, because I'm buying, so you can have whatever you like. But you've got to keep it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. I want you to drive it, too. No garage queens here at Cars, yeah. So what's it going to be and why? That is an incredibly complicated question for somebody who deals with cars so often it would not be a new car and it would probably not even be a car made after 1990 or even 1970. Mm. I would have to say that the one car that I would love to have more than any other type of car in the world, it would probably have to be the first Corvette. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of cool. And the reason is that's the very first car I ever fell in love with. Ah, okay. There's usually a story behind the answer there somewhere. So, yeah. What is it about that first Corvette that you love so much? To me, it, it was freedom, America, getting the heck out of New Jersey, emancipating myself to the South. Uh, it was the future of what America would become. I think the genesis of the Corvette is a rolling representation of what America eventually became. And I think that car more than any other car in the history of the American automotive industry symbolizes the development of America. Yeah. You know, you think about it, the fact the Corvette is still with us today, I think 53 was the first year for the Corvette. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how it's evolved, how it's basically stayed the same. Some would roll their eyes at that, but when you really think about the the genesis of that car, what it was made for, the two-door sports car. Get out on the road, have fun, go fast, don't worry about practicality. It's really stayed uh, true to its nature, and even above and beyond, let's say, the Mustang, which for a while there kind of drifted off into somewhere, I'm not sure where. It's finally come back, I think, to what it was originally intended for. But uh, yeah, that's what I love about the Corvette. It kind of reminds me of my favorite Mark, the Porsche, the Porsche 911 what it was originally designed for and how it's kind of stayed true to its nature all these years. So, Well, well, the interesting thing is, I want to say one other related thing. It wasn't very stable and it wasn't very fast in the beginning and the quality actually wasn't that good. Mm -hmm. What made it different was that in a lot of ways, at least for me, it showed how if we continue to improve ourselves, if we continue to pursue what we want, we can become so much more than we can ever imagine. And I, I think to me, the Corvette's like that. Nicely said. I've talked to a lot of people who wanted an old Corvette, and after they drove it, they went, oh, that, that fantasy's dead. <laughs> it's like driving an old truck. That was horrible. The placement of the steering wheel, the well, the heaviness of the car, the way it was built, everything. But uh, right, we can always strive to be better. I love it. Well, Steve, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars yeah audience. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that first year Corvette. 
I would say the one little piece of advice I have ever for everyone is just enjoy life. That's it. Just enjoy life. There's no, no, there is no godly wisdom that will transform you into Superman. Just enjoy life. Absolutely. Do it around cars because they're, they're a lot of fun. That's for sure. What's the best way for our listeners again to learn more about you and what you're doing? Well, two things, just uh, Google dashboard-light.com or Google long-term quality or long-term reliability. There's tons out there. I would say from a more personal perspective, they just Google my name, Stephen Lang, and cars. I've shared my life and been very fortunate to share my life uh, with a healthy audience. And I've met so many best friends just from loving cars. So I hope to see many of your uh, listeners down the road. And if they ever have a question or anything, if they Google my name, they'll probably even find my email address. So I'll be happy to uh, help them with anything they ever need. Absolutely. Well, Steve, you've done an awesome job there. And listeners, again, you'll find links to everything that Steve has shared today on CarsYow.com. Just type Steve Lang into the search bar, L-A-N-G. Google his name. You'll find so many interesting things. He has shared a lot with the automotive industry for many, many years. Steve, thanks for being so generous today with your time your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with the Garzia audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Arrivederci and God bless. There you go. I better get out in the garage and make sure my oil's changed. (laughs) You take care. (laughs) I should have said that. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Take care. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!